This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Father, we honor you tonight. Father, we love you, God. We want to thank you, Father, that this year, 2022, we want to make a commitment to really grow deeper into the things of God, Father, that we would look to you for our identity, Father, that we would look to you for our strength, Father God, that we would put you first in everything. And Holy Spirit, right now, I know that I can do nothing without you, but you are the teacher, and you are here in our presence. And I thank you that you would take this word as good seeds into our hearts, which is good soil, to really produce a wonderful harvest, in, not only in our lives, but that we would even spread it and take it further from here, as only you can do in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're very, very careful to give you alone all the glory, all the praise to our God and Father, to whom all things belongs in Jesus' name. Everyone said... We serve a mighty God family, amen. And I'm really excited to tell you that we're starting a brand new series, brand new year, brand new fresh start, brand new series, which we are calling God Encounters. And we're just really going to be looking at, you know, where God actually encountered people and did a work inside of their lives. I mean, just kind of showed up real time, real life situations where God showed up and just touched them in a beautiful way. And God just does that sometimes. But we've got a role to play in this process. And so tomorrow we're starting, as you know, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So we really want you to be a part of that. And even if you can't listen to the prayer at 8 o'clock in the morning, just make an effort to go back. It's on our, our, our Facebook page or YouTube. Go back. No, sorry, Facebook page. Go back, listen to it, be a part so we can be in unity. Family, this church is built on prayer. So let's do it. Let's get into unity as we stand together. So I want to open tonight with the theme verse, which we're going to find in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Such a beautiful verse, and I'm going to be reading it out of the message paraphrase, which I don't normally do, but this is kind of a verse. What that means is that they've taken the scripture and just reset it into modern-day English, and it says this. I'd like you just to focus, because I'm going to be breaking the, the verse down quite a bit. It says this, whenever though they turned to face God as Moses did. Now, the they that's there is pretty vague. It means us, right? And it's anybody who wants to be a part of it. And notice, though, they turn their face to God. It says, as Moses did. So we're going to look at this encounter tonight about how Moses when he turned to face God. And family, that's with us. Whenever we turn our face to face God, God does some stuff. I mean, and the first thing that he does is he removes the veil. Now, that may not mean a heck of a lot in our culture, but it meant a whole lot to them. Because you see, the veil was this barrier between people and God. Right? And there's still people that say to me today, you know what, I just, I can't, I just, I kind of don't get it. I just don't get it like you do. I just sort of don't have that kind of relationship. I don't know him as you know him. And you know, family, when we make that effort and we say, I am going to turn my face to face God. And when we do that, 
The veil is removed. All the barrier is removed, family. And we actually come face to face with God. And God still does that today. It carries on, it says, they suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not just a chiseled stone. So he's a hope, he's personal, he's alive, and he's present. He's not just that flannel graph that we saw in Sunday school. He's not just that bedtime story we heard from our grandmother and our grandfather. You see, family, he's alive. He's a real, live, present God, interested in our lives. You see, when God is personally present, a living spirit, it says, the old constricting legislation. In other words, all those things that we battled with that you've never been able to break through, that kind of just maybe, whatever it might be, it may be addictions, it may be problems, it may be habits, it, it may be whatever it is that we just can't seem to get that breakthrough. It says this, is recognized as obsolete. I mean, we're free of it, it says, all of us. I just love that. Carries on, it says, nothing between us and God, our faces are shining with the brightness of his face. And I just love it because that always reminds me of Moses, right? It carries on and says, so we are transfigured, which means that we are transformed and we're changed. And one of the things that happens when, when we have these God encounters that we experience and we're going to experience them through prayer and fasting, through these, these meetings, these church services, family. We have these moments in the presence of God that he touches us and we become brand new inside. Something happens on the inside of us. And carries on, it says, much like the Messiah, our lives are gradually becoming beautiful, sorry, bright and more beautiful. As God enters our lives, we become like him. Now notice it doesn't happen all the time. It's almost like we have these incremental bits of it. One of the translations says from glory to glory, right? I love it. Gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And so for me, I want to look tonight really at an area that God works in people's lives almost every time, almost every encounter. I mean, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see it all the time. Even before he does anything else, he starts working on our belief about ourselves. And there's just a lot of people that just have completely the incorrect view of who they are. And we are defined by some things in our lives. You know, we kind of get up in the morning and we look in the mirror, right? And we believe certain things about ourselves. We've looked into mirrors all of our lives. I mean, if it comes to, when it comes to relationships, I mean, to, to our, our, our issues, to our parents, to, and right now, I mean, we're sitting right here in church and we have defined ourselves by something. And the question is this, is have we defined ourselves by the way God sees us. And you know what? The chances are we haven't. Or maybe we have to a certain extent, but there are still some areas that God says, that's not who you are. Maybe it's who you become, but it's not who you are. 
And so, family, I want you to know that in almost every scripture, when we look in the Bible, really God, he actually, before he ever calls somebody to do somebody something, before he ever charges somebody with a mission in their lives, the first thing that he deals with is our belief about ourselves. So tonight, the title of my message is Mirror, Mirror. We all remember that movie, right? One of the first Disney movies that were ever made with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And you had this evil queen. And every single morning she would go to the mirror and she'd go, mirror, mirror, on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? Looking into this magic mirror, as it were, for validation. To tell her who she is. Maybe I'm telling you this is that, you know what? There's a number of us that we are, we are kind of going through life, mirror, mirror. Going into our jobs, saying mirror, mirror. Going to our kids, saying mirror, mirror. And for goodness sake, don't go to social media, mirror, mirror. Facebook, mirror, mirror. Some of us actually need to get off Facebook a little bit. That's not even your face, it's somebody else's face. But we're looking at our car, mirror, mirror. Our house, mirror, mirror. Our possessions, mirror, mirror. Our position, maybe our popularity. You see, we kind of look into all these different places. So I want to look tonight. There's really three places that people end up looking at when they incorrectly define themselves. And the first mirror that we look at is a mirror of failure and rejection. And that's kind of where we say, and this is an incorrect statement, where we say, I am what I did. Somebody may have had an issue with alcohol, for example. And so they say, well, I am that. Now, I understand. I mean, if people have been to AA recovery programs, that it happens. They tell you to get up and say, I am an alcoholic. I mean, even if you haven't had a drink in 50 years, Right, you've got to get up there and say, I am an alcoholic, because I kind of get it. They want you to take ownership of that thing so that you can overcome it. But family, I'm saying right now, to say that I am what I did is a lie. It is not how we should be defining ourselves. And there's some of us that define ourselves by just wrong decisions that we've made. You know, someone might say, well, I've been married three times, and that's who I am. Or, or maybe, you know, when I'm not good with money, and, and, and so I've been bankrupt, and say, that's who I am. I'm telling you right now, if we're going to grab a hold of that stuff and internalize it and take it on and define ourselves by it, we are going to see ourselves in completely the wrong view. Because I want you to know that is not how God sees us. God sees us not by what we did, but what we can become. Amen? And here's a big thing. I mean, let's make sure that as we raise our children, that we do not let them take on incorrect identities. Now, my line with my kids, and let me tell you, they messed up royally. And I would say to them, this is what you did. And let me say this, you're going to have to pay for it, right? There's a consequence. There's going to be a, a payment for this, this, this thing. But it is not who you are. It's not who you are. And I want to say to somebody here that maybe you've been plagued with something that you did. I want you to know tonight, it is not who you are. And God can make a difference 
We're talking about a fresh start. We're talking about a new beginning and God to do a work in your life. We would just allow him to do that. The second mirror that we're looking to is the mirror of social pressure, whereby we incorrectly say, I am who they say I am. I am what my dad called me when I was growing up. And so we take this, this negative narrative that somebody has spoken into our lives and we define ourselves as being that. You know, the most horror stories is where you have a teacher speaking over a young child and saying, you're never going to amount to anything. And that child internalizes that and just taps out, just doesn't pay any more attention and ends up getting into the wrong crowd simply to be accepted. And family, I I want you to know right today that whoever it is, if, if it's a teacher or whoever it is that spoke this negative narrative over your life, you do not have to accept that. That is not who you are. And we know also that we, we don't have to give in to social pressure. You know, it's amazing to me how many people are kind of living their lives, I mean, and comparing it to somebody else's highlight reels on Facebook on social media. I want you to know that's not who they are either. <laughs> Seriously, they don't take pictures of themselves. I mean, when they just got up, right? I mean, when they've been sitting in front of the mirror for three hours or they've just been to the beauty parlor, they happen to be in a nice place, that's what you see on social media. Nothing real about that. And us ladies, I mean, we've got a way of comparing ourselves with, I mean, <laughs> a magazine cover that is definitely not real. Things are being shifted there, right? <laughs> we know that, right? You're too quiet. Are you with me? The third mirror is the mirror of inferiority. And family, this has probably been my bad. This is something that I still sometimes struggle with. It still sometimes pops up in my life. I kind of grew up very sheltered environment. was always very naive. Always thought everybody knew better than I did. You know, and I worked really, really hard at school in my job. And somehow, I mean, my bosses must have seen something in me I didn't see because I kind of raised up through the ranks. But I can tell you something, man. I still sometimes don't feel like I'm just qualified enough. I just sometimes struggle with that. And really, I can tell you right now, my biggest fear was public speaking. And at times, when I stand there and it looks like I'm not breathing, I'm actually not. <laughs> and there's this voice that's inside of me that says, who are you? What are you doing out there? You're not smart. Everybody else is smarter than you are. Right, and I hear these. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Joshi. But you know what? We hear these voices of inferiority saying, I'm not enough. And what is your voice of inferiority saying? Is it maybe saying, I'm never going to be a good dad. I'm never going to be a good mom. I'm never going to be qualified to do my job. I'm never going to earn more money than I'm earning right now. These are lies, family. We're looking into the wrong mirror, family. So here's the question. How do we find out correctly who we are? I mean, is that, is that a good question? Who do we find out who we really are? You see, to find out what something is, we have to ask the one who created it. Amen? You know, it's almost like, you know, if you go into an art shop, you know, I 
Now, listen, I'm an accountant, so creativity is definitely not high on my list of talents. So I can look at a painting, especially if it's got that little abstract thing to it, you know, and I look at it and I think, hmm, I know what it is. It's a tree. And then I look at it again and I think, ooh, no, maybe it's an elephant. <laughs> I just don't actually have a clue. But if I want to know more about it, all I have to do is ask the artist. And they would be able to tell us the inspiration of why they put everything where it is. And I'm saying again, family, that there is absolutely no way that we can live out our God-given potential without asking the one who created us. There's only one person that has got an accurate story on our lives, and that is the living God. He is the only one. And here's the thing. He put it in his word. Now, I want to tell you, I'm so grateful to Apostle Theon, Dr. Bev, who always taught me that this word is the only mirror that I could ever look into to define who I am. Amen? And so, family, I want to say this. You know, that's why we come to church, to get the word. That's why we read the word, so that we can get it into our hearts. We're talking about having God encounters. Now I want to tell you, when we do that, we're going to start believing a new report of who we are. And I can tell you, and I'm sure you can say the same thing, I'm just not the same person that I used to be. Really, I'm not. And I'm still not all I need to be, but I'm definitely not what I used to be. You know what? Little by little, this doesn't happen all at once. I want to read to you what it says in James chapter 1, verse 23. It says, anyone who listens to the word. So I mean, you came to church and you're listening to what I'm saying right now, but it carries on, it says, but does not do what it says. It's like someone looking at his face in a mirror. So I mean, you got here now, you got somebody up here who loves your whole bunch, I must just say this, telling you, come on, you can do this. You can make a difference. It carries on, it says, but you forgot about it. I mean, you left and then afterwards, you, you just forgot what you looked like. I mean, you just went back to that sort of comfort zone, you know, of doing what we used to do. Carries on and says, you went away and immediately just forgot what you look like. Carries on and says, whoever looks, now look at the next word, it says, whoever looks intently. Everybody says, looks intently. That means that's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to look intently, to actually make this decision that we will look intently into God's word. Do what it says to do, right? It's a new year. It's a new beginning. It's a new, fresh. We want to take this to another level. And we have to do it. It carries on. It says, if you look into it, it is the perfect law that gives freedom. And if you'll continue to do it, it's like just keep on doing it. Make a decision that you're going to do it. Not forgetting what they have heard. But family, here's the promise. Listen to this now. They will be blessed in what they do. That's what the Bible tells us that we can do. And you know what? He's God's word guarantees it. Now, I told you I'm going to speak about Moses' encounter, so we're going to do that right now. Because Moses' family, you've got to know, he was a messed up dude. He had major problems with his identity. Think about it. Before he was even born, he had a death sentence. I mean, they were murdering, slaughtering all the little Hebrew boys and throwing their bodies into the Nile River. 
And then Moses' mother decided she didn't want that for him. And so she wove this little basket and she lined it with pitch and tar so it was waterproof. And, you know, that she became like a flotation device, put her baby in it and put it on the, on the Nile River. Kind of floated down, got stuck in some reeds. And it stopped right there where Pharaoh's sister happened to be bathing. And she got the basket fell in love with the baby, decided to take him as her own. And in that moment, this little baby that had a death sentence on him became a prince of the richest nation of the time, a prince of Egypt. I mean, come on! Who would want that? Right? Surely that's what every single person would love. But here's the thing. It was not what God called him to do. I want to tell you, you can be the most successful person in this room, but if it is not what God has called you to do, you're still going to be miserable. Come on. And so what we see now is Moses having this issue because he finds out now that he's a Hebrew and he's got struggling with his identity. And I mean, he struggles so badly that he ends up murdering somebody. And then he runs away. And that's what happens when we have issues with our identity. We do bad things and then we run and hide. And now we see Moses... He's in the desert. He's 80 years old. He's miles away from his, from his hairstylist. His hair's done here. His beard's done here. Growing out of his... I'm just joking. But he's unsettled in his identity, struggling with his insecurities. And we see him now. I mean, you know the story. He's in the desert. He looks up. He sees a fire. That's like a big deal to any shepherd, right? And then... But he sees it doesn't move. It's just sitting there, not going anywhere. And the bush is not being consumed. And then the bush starts talking to him. I mean, he's like, three cheese pizza, not going to do that again. Just joking. And the voice says, I'm God, take off your shoes. You are standing on holy ground. And Moses, I've got a mission for you. But before we can even start with that, we've got to do a work on you. Man, we've got to do some stuff on the inside there. And Moses responds with four of his insecurities, and I'm going to have to cover that real fast, okay? And we're going to look at them tonight. And the first thing he says is, who am I? I mean, I don't even know who I am, God. I mean, am I Egyptian? Am I a prince? Am I a shepherd? Am I Hebrew? I mean, I don't even know who I am. Look at this, Exodus 3 and verse 11. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, God, I mean, you realize that I killed a guy, right? You were there when I, I buried him. I mean, you do know that, right? I mean, I'm a bad guy. You don't want to use me for this. I really don't think that I should lead your people out of Egypt. And you know, family, I love this. God says it's not about you. <laughs> I love that. Notice God's response to Moses when Moses says, who am I? God says, let me tell you about me. Listen, that was good preaching. Let me say it again. When Moses said, who am I? God says, let me tell you about me. Look at this in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you. It is I who have sent you. In other words, they're not even going to notice you because I'm going to be there. And I want to tell you, family, that helps me a whole bunch. When I stand there shaking my boots, God says, listen, it's amazing. He doesn't say to me, oh, shame. You worked so hard at this. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. He says, I want to be with you. It's not about you. These are my people. This is my word. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. God confidence, not self-confidence. And some of you guys, let me tell you, you define yourself by your, state, your mistakes. God wants you to define yourself by the price of Jesus' blood on the cross. Amen. 
If you look at the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was a murderer. God seems to call these people. But that's why the Apostle Paul could say this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Can we say this? I am who I am by the grace of God. See, it's not about me. It's about God. The second question he asks is, who are you? You see, family, people who are struggling with their insecurities also struggling about who God is. They're insecure about their God. Let me say it again. If we have issues with insecurity, inferiority, maybe social pressure, maybe we haven't actually defined who God is to us. Have a look at Exodus 3 verse 13. It says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? God, I don't even know your name. I don't even know who you are. And God said to Moses, you tell them this. I mean, this is going to blow their minds. Have a look at verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. <laughs> you just love that. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. I mean, I just love it. I am who I am. And I can imagine Moses going, well, God, I mean, I know who you are and that you are who you are, but I mean, who are you? <laughs> so, you know. And God is saying, you can't put me in a box. I'm not one just blank, one blank answer. I mean, I, you can't put one name on me. In other words, I am so much bigger than anything you could possibly use to define who I am, I am who I am. Amen. Amen? And you can tell the Israelites it is, I am that sent you. See, Flamians, unfortunately, some of us lack confidence in God because we don't think he is big enough. And it's time that we really saw him as being the God, all-powerful, almighty, able to do anything, and there's nothing too hard for our God. And it's time that we decided, I am going all in with God. And you know what? The only way we're going to do it is to say, I'm going to do it. I am going to, I believe who you are, Father, I'm going to come after you. And I'm going to look intently into your word. And I'm going to come after you with all of my heart. God says, if you seek me, you will find me if you look for me with all of your hearts. Amen? Amen. So we're going to really discover who we are as, as we do that. I need to just move really quick here. So I'm going to just go straight now to Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. You know, family, if we would just do this, I mean, the Bible tells us, come on. It says, oh, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing is too difficult for you. And that's the next thing we want to say, is that nothing is too difficult for my God. So number one, I am who I am by the grace of God. And number two, there is nothing too difficult for my God. And the third one is, is what if they? That's what Moses said in Exodus 4 verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? You know, worried about people, okay? You know, Proverbs says the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. I want to just have a quick look at John chapter 12 from verse 42. This is so good. I mean, this is even in Jesus' day. Many wanted to believe him. Even the elders, they wanted to believe, and they listened to what Jesus said. But watch what it says in the Bible. It says, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they'd be put out of the synagogue. Watch this, because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I mean, family, come on. Apostle Paul says in Romans 1 verse 16, 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to let somebody pressure me into who I am when they didn't even save me, right? I'm going to put my faith in God. So I am who I am by the grace of God. There is nothing too difficult for my God. And the third one is, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me just say this. Some people, I mean, really, in, the, in this room, you want to worship a little bit more. And you look down the road and you think, oh, Eugene, maybe another day. You know, or you want to lift your hands and then you're like, oh, okay. Come on, let's just go all in with God, family. I mean, they're wonderful people, but they didn't save you. We're going to give praise and glory and honor to the one who saved us. He deserves it. The fourth one is, is I have never Exodus 4 verse 10, I mean, Moses makes this statement, and we also, we disqualify ourselves by saying something, well, I've never done it. Well, I want to tell you, before COVID, I'd never done this. We can't do that. We can't define ourselves by that. It says, Moses said to, to the Lord, oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent. I can't speak. I can't speak and go and get your people delivered. I just can't do it. And sometimes we do that. We put this filter on that says, I have never, and so I can't. And even when we have church news, and then maybe they're asking for, for dream teamers or, or group leaders or children's church helpers, and the filter inside says, I can't do that because I've never done that. Well, I want you to know right now that you're right. And that's exactly the people God loves to choose. So we're not going to do that. How about saying this, Philippians 4 through 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's have a look again, the four statements. I am who I am by the grace of God. There is nothing too difficult for my God. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Family, I want to tell you, if we would take these four statements and just meditate on them, we are going to believe a completely different report about ourselves. Amen. Can you just bow your heads for a moment? I really just want to pray for you. Father, in these 21 days, I'm really asking you, God, that you would confront every insecurity, every insecurity and every inferiority, every bit of social pressure, and reveal to us the truth of who we are in you, God. That you would give us courage, us as a church, that we together would grow in your word and reveal to us, Father, who we really are and each and every one of us, that we would have personal encounters of who you are. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to just ask you to just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed because I'm, I really believe there are people here tonight that you need to take a bold step there. You need to move. I mean, you know there are things God has laid on your heart, things that you need to do. Maybe it's in your worship. Maybe it's in your giving. Maybe you just really need to jump on the dream team, be part of the group structure. I really want to just challenge challenge you tonight that there's just, you just constantly said no, and you said no because you're looking in the wrong mirror. You're seeing the wrong reflection. And the truth is that God has made you to fulfill your destiny right here in this church. And so I'm asking you to make this decision in your heart right now that you're going to do it. 
And all I'm asking you to do is at the end of the service, go to our Connections Center, have a chat to one of the pastors, and they will show you your next step. And then there's some folks here tonight, maybe that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You know you should. You know that you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose, but you just don't want to take it to the next level. Let me tell you tonight, it's the easiest, best time for you to do it right now. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. That you can make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. He will change your life. He will live inside of you. He will fulfill His purposes in you. Let me tell you something, family. The fear is gone. The anxiety is gone. Allow Jesus to be your Lord. Maybe tonight you're also saying, I've never gone all in with God, and I really want to do that tonight. I really want to recommit and say, I want to fulfill my purpose tonight. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray with us as well. Maybe you just want to be sure you've got a place in heaven. So I'm going to count to three right now. I'm going to ask you right there where you are. Raise your hand up real high. One, two, three. You want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You want to recommit your life to God. And you want to be sure you're going to heaven. Come on, just raise your hand. If you're in the other venues, even you right there at home, right there where you are, come on, God will see your hand going up. Just right there where you are. Come on, just, just do it. Thank you, Father, for all these hands that I've seen. Thank you, Father God, for all these hands. I'm going to just, we're all going to pray with you right now. We're going to say this prayer together. Let's say this, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I make you my Savior. I make you my God. You are the one that saves me. And I give myself completely to you today. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that you changed me. Thank you, Lord God, that I believe you are the true and living God, that you rose from the dead. And I will never be the same again. And I forgive every single person who ever hurt me. In Jesus' name, I let that go now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, family. Just give them, give God some praise. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.